Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on its way, do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay, rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Hello, pilgrims and travelers. Before I fade into sleep, I was looking at a list of topics to discuss that I've had for quite a while and being on the Camino I have not really had the need to use them because things just come up and I can use that as grits for the meal And uh, but there is this one topic which is really a uh, more than a topic. I think there's a lot that I can mumble on about, but that I want to to play with now. And it's storytelling. In my humble experience, I am discovering, and I have discovered after 40 plus years, that I am constantly telling myself a story that a story has to be constantly uttered all the time in order to to stir, to steer and to stir yeah, I guess to stir and to steer the ship my moral compass why do I do what I do and why do I go where I go? And uh, I've come to appreciate that there is a process that has to take place for those move to unravel. And a lot of those stories are quite ancient. And I'm not talking about for my ancestors, 
and I'm not saying whether that's the case or not, but I have no interest in those things. But from my childhood, from my original imprint, when I was born, my family of origin that uh, dictated in a way the kind of physical mold that I was to fit in and be influenced by. And for me, the stories that started to see the light of day and became problematic were I am not good enough, I can't succeed, I don't belong, I am a mistake. And one of the good one, one of the juicy one was, if something good happens, brace yourself, because it's about to crash and burn, because you don't deserve anything good. So just accept your miserable existence, and then until you get uh, delivered from it, which from the textbook it sounds like I'm predisposed for Christian life. <laughs> Forgive my uh, the pun, the intended pun here. My reading of Bonhoeffer, you know, kind of uh, is driving that home even more. This this judgment. But no, no, I'm not going to digress because it's about storytelling and those stories that sometimes are on automatic it's on a loop and it just unchecked it goes on and on and on and sometimes we don't even realize a lot of what we are saying to ourselves because it's been going on for so long it's white noise but now it's it's in the background and what I find interesting I have this silly analogy that I like to use, but that I do find relevant. If you go to the store and buy a six-pack of Coke, and two of them are empty, you would go back to the store and get it fixed. But if you went the next time and bought the same brand, and two again are missing, how many more would you buy before you, you switch to a different brand? How long would you keep being deceived and it seems like on a material plane we we have it honed down pretty good but in terms of our spiritual and emotional self it doesn't seem to be the same you know you hear people talking about drinking or doing drugs or smoking or what they eat or whatever it may be something that they're aware of that it's not healthy for them which would imply they want health and not being able to get a handle on that habit that negative habit and here I disagree because I'm like you're doing exactly what you want to do there is just a dissonance between a part of you that's saying that but there is another part of you 
that's actually justifying and making it to where it's happening. And the lack of awareness seems to be the crux of the matter. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is just that. You have no idea. You have no idea. So my analogy of you know the pack of food or car or whatever it is, we are so on top of it. We are so good. We have it down. We know we know the resources. Now we know with internet you would do research. Uh, I remember when I bought the Vitamix, which is a fancy blender, which I really enjoy. I really, I don't miss it, but it's really uh, a tool that I really enjoy having in the kitchen. And uh, kind of the apple of the blender, as I would call it. Anyway, but just a very nice, nice piece. Before I bought the second one, um, I did some research. You know, I kind of knew where to look and I was trying to... I don't want to buy the most expensive one if the most expensive one was not going to deliver what I needed instead of what it was trying to sell. So I was trying to find out, you know, what's the difference between all of those things and looking at some third-party reviews. So it's like impressive, you know, all the diligence that's put into a, a decision that would involve a substantial amount of money, you know. When you think that you can buy a blender for $30, $40, and then here buying one for uh, $300-$400. And, uh, and then yet, not investing a lot of time and effort or not accessing or accessing or looking for those resources to help, it, help us when it comes to our state of our mind, our, our psychic state of health, yeah. our mental state of health or the dissonance or the lack of congruence between what I think I want and then what I actually end up doing. And in this vicious circle. And to me, I don't think that's addiction. I think it's ignorance. There are the part of us we are not mindful of. And the trick is, how can you become mindful of something you're not aware of? And that I have no idea. That's a great question. Thank you for asking it, uh, lady in a blue dress. You're welcome. But uh, how can we become aware of something we are ignorant of if we are not able to postulate, to lay down the question? I somehow think that's possible. And I think, for me anyway, it's not so much possible because you come up with a question, you have a way, an artistic, uh, metaphysical way that you can tap into that uh, jet stream. But by truly and powerfully acknowledge what's not working. Instead of justifying a dysfunctional way of living and doing and behaving a 
clear-cut example would be I don't want to go to work and basically saying well then I'm not going to work without entering the whole debate about but what if I don't make money what if what if and I have this place to pay and whatever it's like you've entered in a way in, in a dissonant state here because a part of you is basically miserable but you find a way to justify to that part why it should keep going so as a great lawyer you make your case but is that healthy so the interesting things is what stories do we tell ourselves over and over and over again and I, I would dare to say that some of them we are not even aware that they are stories we think they are facts when in reality they are just tales fairy tales that kind of tie nicely also with uh, the power of belief you know the story about the black and white dog fighting which one is going to win the one you feed the most so you know if there is something you're saying over and over again I mean advertising has figured it out it works it just works if you say it long enough it will stick it doesn't matter what it says you know like an advertising equating a car with a sex appeal or a sense of adventure it doesn't matter whether it's true or not it's gonna make your life better if it's shown enough times a part of you will start to think about it more or will consider it more and of course other factors come into play but it it's a power of repetition and maybe that power of repetition can lead to automation and that's where in a way you you relegate or you delegate that process to a part of you that you're not conscious of anymore because there's no point it's like look I'm, I'm saying it all the time therefore okay so it is so okay let, let, I want to focus on other things and to me it's taking me a very very and it's still but it's it's taking me a long long time to even get a sense that my head was above water and to actually start to see or to question what I was thinking or how I was experiencing my relation with the world feeling that this black sheep like the fox and the hound from Wall Disney, you know, feeling like the fox, always have to run away and hide. And in some of that, I'm still carrying it with me. Definitely. So I don't know if that's making any sense. <laughs> But to me, it has already come to my attention, the power of storytelling and the power of repetition.
and even more sorts of stories that started when we were very young, when there was no discerning filter, that we were just a sponge. We just sucked in every single thing that were dished out with that question, unconditional trust, complete dependence. You know, my parents were my gods. My older sister was smarter than me. The teachers, you know, the you look up to the world when you're young. You you believe that the world is uh, is your teacher, and then from the world you're going to learn what to do because those people before you, they made it. You know, my parents at a home, they provided, so it's like they have it figured out. So okay, let me learn from that. And of course, in my case, maybe what made the process easier, well, that's a relative word, easier, <laughs> uh, was that the dissonance became more pronounced sooner, that there was something that didn't stick, that it wasn't enough, that my father was working, earning money, providing from the family, that we had a home, I had a bed, I had clothes, I had f- always had food, I had medical attention, I went to school, so I had a, I had all those bases covered, but somehow that wasn't enough. Something just stood out. And uh, unbeknownst to me, I, I rebelled against some of that. And I still don't even understand who that was, because I was, I was quite a sheep. But I think the idea of uh, becoming aware of that dissonance to me started young. I, like I did not accept that pill. That that's who Anthony is. And that's it. Just find yourself a, a niche, yeah, a little spot, and then just be quiet, and then just be grateful that, you know, you're not being chased, you're not in a war-torn country, or you're not living uh, below the poverty level. You are a lucky one, you know, and then shut the fuck up. And what I've been doing for the last, uh, yeah, two years, a little more than two years now, was playing with stories, playing with uh, what I call the, the power of belief, and then creating a network of affirmation and to become more mindful and more on top of when those speakers would blast this what I would now call the blasphemy which is I don't deserve to be loved I I don't belong I'm a failure and in my case it has proved useful there's a ways to go and I'm not worried about the finishing line here or the finish line not the finishing line the finish line here but uh, I can confidently say that I, I have made progress. And uh, my therapist being life, you know, and right now the Camino is helping me to uh, transcend, could we say that? Transcend those self-imposed limitations, even though, you know, when you're young, 
you don't have the mechanism in place that you have now, but yet I don't consider myself a victim as a child. Those are just the role of the games and I don't believe it is an accident. And I do want to own them. I want to own every moment of my life instead of believing that that should not have happened. So I own my childhood, my parents, my education, all of those things which have made me and have crea created or reincarnated, you could say, the baggage, you know, because maybe it had nothing to do with them. And I'm sure if I was to talk to my parents, even from back then, when they were younger, they most likely would have no idea what I'm talking about and would not be able to relate because they were just being themselves. They were just living their life. And how could they, how could one individual really appreciate the impact it has, he or she has on another one? I believe that's impossible because we are basing our understanding on our own experience and our own filters and we are incapable of getting out of that. So, some of those beliefs that I've carried for a long time, that have been in a way transmitted, you know, through some waves, you know, my, my family waves or whatever, my neighborhood wave, my, my professional waves, my school waves, whatever it is, those are not accidents. So how can I at once own them and then challenge them without judging them or condemning them? Because obviously I'm judging them. I'm saying this is not acceptable for me to believe that I am bound to, that I cannot succeed, that I am a failure. I don't deserve happiness. Of course, now you know why I mean it seems so silly. But at the same time, I have kind of been floating for the last two years. And again, it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, is that gonna freaking end? This weird ride that I've been on? More than two years now. Because when, when the rubber meet the road, yeah? Things can change, like uh, tomorrow we, we have bad weather, bad weather, maybe 60-70% chance of rain for the next few days. And we haven't had one, I haven't had one day of rain and I'm not a big fan. So, you know, things will change when the condition changes. You know, or whether I cannot sleep. And because as of now, I, I do want to stay with uh, Ricardo, so, you know, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty sure all the way to, to, to uh, Santiago. We, we're going to stay together, so it's been really cool. But, uh, you know, of course, still moving forward on the Camino. And uh, how do you deal with the unexpected or, you know, something that just fucks with your, your chi? You know, how do you not fight against it? Honor it and then deal with it appropriately. Not that the last two years have been peach and, peaches and cream. No, no, that's not true. 
there have been some quite challenging, well, yeah, actually some very challenging moment. But it seems to have taken care of itself rather smoothly without me having to do much. And that's different. So in summary, I do believe that there is more to storytelling that meet the eyes. And I do believe that there are many stories we are not even aware we continuously tell ourselves. And I think it would behoove us to become more curious about that because I think there is a potential for more empowerment or to be able to decide now with a new understanding of who we are, which one we want to use and which one we want to discard. And I think by only bringing them to light, by becoming aware, it will naturally happen. We don't have to judge it, we don't have to think about it. If it's something that just is completely obsolete, then it's done, it's gone just to bring the light of awareness and how to bring the light of awareness that's something else anywho I will uh, leave it at that for now and I'm sure I'll come back to it because I do find that topic fascinating to me it really is fascinating what's going on with the mind maybe another reason why I really like Buddhism and Hinduism I feel like they have a better handle on the on the mind and psychology of the mind than the West does. So, pilgrims and travelers, I wish you all a beautiful day, a beautiful exploration into your psyche, into your storytelling. And until we connect again, remember that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Om. Mm-hmm.